We all pot down here. I'm so glad you're here. We have a lot to talk about. So much to say tonight. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. And we are going to be talking about The Invitation, which came out in 2015. And yes, you're all invited. You don't want to be invited. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a harmless dinner party surrounded by old friends. They're all linked to a tragic accident. Now, are they here to heal or is something more sinister at the center of this get-together? And, of course, our references, per usual, are going to be Wikipedia and IMDb, and that's that. Indeed. Nice and clean. Yeah, so, Dan, if you want to take some of the cast and crew. Can do. So, this was directed by Karen Kusama. It was written and produced by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, and also additional producers Martha Griffin and Nick Spicer. Our cast, we have Will, which is played by Logan Marshall Green who you may know him from The O.C., 24, Prometheus, and Spider-Man Homecoming, where he played Jackson Bryce. We have Eden, played by Tammy Blanchard. She was really well-known for a made-for-TV movie called Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows. She played a teenage Judy Garland, and I did see that once, so she actually did a really nice job. Um, She was in Into the Woods as Florinda and The Good Shepherd. Next, we have David, played by Mikkel Hausman, and he's known for primarily being in Game of Thrones as Dario Naharis, and as well as being in The Haunting of Hill House as Stephen Crane and World War Z. We have Kira, played by Imati Coronaldi, and she's known for Middle of Nowhere, The Red Line, and Ballers. We have Sadie, played by Lindsay Burge, known for Wild Canaries and Six Years. We have Ben, played by Jay Larson. Now, he is primarily a stand-up comedian. His only other real acting credit other than this movie was a minor role in Twin Peaks, but he's been a stand-up comedian for quite some time. We have Gina, played by Michelle Krusiak, and she was in Star Trek Voyager as 18-year-old Molly O'Brien, daughter of Miles O'Brien and also in Community, and did voices for several American Dad episodes. We have Miguel, played by Jordi Villasuso. He's mainly known for a lot of soap operas, and he's ticked off a lot of the ticked the boxes off on a lot of the big ones, like Guiding Light, All My Children, Days of Our Lives, Young and the Restless. That's where the, the large body of his acting work is mostly at. We have Tommy, played by Mike Doyle who's known for Law & Order SVU and Jersey Boys. We have Pruitt, played by John Carroll Lynch. He's in a lot of stuff. He's probably the most familiar face for me in this movie. He was on The Drew Carey Show, American Horror Story, multiple versions, multiple seasons of that, Shutter Island, Zodiac, and a whole bunch of other things. We have Troy, played by Carl Yoon. And he is in Arrow in Real Steel, Arrow the TV series. We have Dr. Joseph, played by Toby Huss. And he played a couple characters on King of the Hill, which is really cool. He played Con and Cotton, two of my personal favorites from that show. He also was the Wiz on Seinfeld, because he's the Wiz and nobody (laughs) beats him. (laughs) He also was in the movie Down Periscope, a very, very underrated comedy. 
and The Adventures of Pete and Pete. He played Artie. And we have Claire, played by Maria Delfino. And she was in Dead and Breakfast and Jeepers Creepers 2 and 3. I think I've only seen Jeepers Creepers 2. I don't know if I've ever actually watched 3. I think I've only seen the first one. Now, I will say that I really fully believed when I first saw this that John Carroll Lynch was actually David Ketchner, you know, Todd Packer from The Office. <laughs> I, he just, I realize now looking at them side by side, they're not obviously the same person, but I don't know. They just, they look the same to me. Well, and same was, horseshoe pattern. But I know they're not Jason Alexander. No, but they have the same baldness. It's the same horseshoe pattern. True. And, and as it advances, you know, it's over. And it's the same with Mikhail Halsman because, you know, he's Stephen Crane in The Haunting of Hill House. So on that same note, Tammy Blanchard normally does not look like Olivia Crane from Haunting of Hill House. But for whatever reason in this, she did. And I just kept looking at them. I'm like, is that Carla Gugino? I mean, don't they look a little bit alike? A little bit. Like in the pictures you showed me. When from, you do it side by side? Yeah, the side by sides by what they look like in this movie and Hill House, I could see some resemblances. And, and I think the it was their, de- their demeanor too. Like they just had that real kind of creepy, calm demeanor. Kind of the like psychotic, you're a little too calm to be a human being kind of thing. Yeah, that uncanny valleyness. Even though that, I know that's more about looks, but still. I am just happy that we've got Cotton Hill involved. I mean, I'll come help on. you with your dishes. I mean... He has so many good lines. Oh my god, he does. Him and Khan. And, he, you know, we have the Wiz. Nobody beats him. So really, this is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, because he's Dr. Joseph. And we'll get into stuff about Dr. Joseph. But I figure let's start with our spoiler-free review. Do you want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off? Go for it. It's all you. So I felt watching this that... I really enjoyed this the first time I saw it. I know this was your first time watching it, but I had seen it before. Now, the only thing is I feel like I'm having like a Bernstein Bears moment where <laughs> Bernstein versus Bernstein. Let's yeah. not go there. <laughs> no, but I fully remember this ending differently, so I need to figure out what movie I was actually watching. But I'll get into that in our spoiler review because I don't want to give anything away. But overall, like, you know, I think this movie is great. I think it's fun. It's just, it's unsettling as fuck, and you can't even really figure out at first why it's unsettling. It just you feel like almost like you're trapped, like they're trapped in this house, even though they're not, in some ways they are. It's kind of a weird situation. And I guess overall, I just, I feel like it was just, you know, it makes you feel claustrophobic. It makes you feel like you're trapped. And it makes it feel, you know, just the whole movie is just very uncomfortable. And I thought they did that perfectly. I thought, you know, with the way they, and they blended the sounds of it perfectly. Like you just, anytime something was happening, it wasn't the stereotypical, like horror movie sounds where, oh, you just know something's coming. It just like slowly built the tension with the way they were doing the sound. So overall, I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. I highly recommend it to folks. And that's my spoiler-free take on it. You know me with psychological horror and that it's definitely my wheelhouse. I love something that fucks with your head as opposed to just a splattery gore fest, which you can only do so many ways and it Almost all of them are really stupid. Yeah, I like something that something that you you carry something with you after you watch it. Yeah, this movie has still stuck with me after watching it. Yeah, it's like you said, it's unsettling, but it's a slow burn. 
there's there's little hints and a lot of it is a I think questioning what's really happening and what's not is a lot about I think anxiety and social anxiety mm-hmm. on how you can, should react in certain situations and how some people will react to thinking something's off. Some people will be in denial. Some people will get to the point where they actually question something. Some people will say, fuck it, I'm out. This is this is weird. I know something's wrong. Even when something's obviously wrong, some people in the point of pol- this being polite will do absolutely nothing. And I think this movie's a really good psychological experiment in a lot of ways of how different people react to this kind of crazy sort of situation where you think something's wrong, but you haven't been able to physically manifest proof yeah. of it. Like nothing beyond a shadow of a doubt that these people have nefarious intentions. It's a thriller. It's The horror is mental to the point where you're like just gripping your seat. Like, the and re- like, how would I deal with this? Right. And we had a lot of conversations throughout the movie. Like, at points we're like, nope, I would be the fuck out of there. But would you? Yeah, it's that's kind of, the tough part. It you reminds know? me of um, it reminds me of Kitty Genovese with bystander effect, where you know most people, if you told them, hey, if you saw someone potentially getting murdered, wouldn't you call the police? Absolutely, you would. But in that situation, so many other people were shouting at this guy to leave her alone. Everyone believed someone else called the police to the point that basically no one called the police, and she died because of it. Mm-hmm. So it's very much in that kind of situation where you're like, obviously I would do this, but until you're in that situation, especially this is like old friends. These are people you knew and trusted for years. Mm-hmm. This isn't like people you met on the street. These are people that have been friends since like college, it seemed like. They've all kind of grown up together in many ways. And now two of them are acting a bit off, and they've brought a couple people in that they don't know. So it just keeps adding to the horror of, like, what is actually going on here? Are these people still our friends? Have they ill intentions, you know? And I think that's the creepiest part of it is, like, it doesn't seem that far-fetched. It's like uncanny valley of the mind. Yeah, for sure. Because you look at the situation, you know, in uncanny valley, it's you're looking at a physical thing that just something looks off. This is like a mental thing that's something's off. Yeah. And you can't pinpoint what it is, what the intentions are, what they're trying to do. Who are these X-Factor weird new people that you don't know? There's so much tension being built. And you're watching this and look, trying to look for every little freaking detail to find something that's going to give you a clue. Mm-hmm. It's brilliantly paced. It's well-written. It's beautifully shot. Like some of the- Yeah. The way they shot it, just like the imagery of it, like it's not even anything that's like that groundbreaking. It's not like, oh, this was like the best high definition camera that ever yeah. was or something like that. It's not that. It's just like the angles they choose and every little piece of it comes together perfectly. This is some of the best cinematography I've seen in a horror film in a long time. And keep in mind, this was a total independent project. No big studios. They did what they wanted. And I think that's part of why it was so good. A Yay, lot of times independent with, film. Yeah, a lot of times when studios get involved, they just they keep messing with it to the point that it becomes terrible. And that's what I think some of the biggest problems are. It's like, it's fine to have the studio, but the studio needs to let the creators actually do what they want to do. And that's part of what Netflix does a lot, is they let people do what they want to do. And that's why yeah. we've had a lot of great things coming out. For sure. And, you know, you look at 
the casting was an interesting thing too because the, the whole cast this is a great ensemble they have a lot of chemistry they work great together the orig- originally in may of 2012 it was announced that luke wilson zachary quinto topher grace and johnny galecki were going to star in this movie and then there was not a lot heard and then july 2014 this cast was announced and I think the there was a benefit to having a lot of people that you didn't know as much mm-hmm. in this kind of movie. Not to say that these other wonderful established actors wouldn't have done a great job, but I think the cast they got couldn't have been topped. But it's, it would be interesting to have Leonard and Spock involved <laughs> in this. I mean, I think Spock would figure this shit out pretty quick. That's my thing is I also feel like then it becomes a joke to us because we'll start only thinking of these people from their like big roles. Yeah, which is our own damn fault. But. It is, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's kind of one of those, especially when it's a long-standing role, it's just like you see that person and they're just attached to that role in many ways, which can sometimes suck for them. But Ed O'Neill is a great example. His iconic character, Val Bundy, is one of the greatest sitcom characters of all time. One of my favorite of all time. But he was typecast as Al Bundy. He wanted to do a variety of stuff and couldn't because everyone saw him as the bumbling douchebag shoe salesman. And he had a lot of trouble getting work after that, to which he said multiple times really was a detriment. And sometimes he had a lot of regrets until he landed Modern Family and got to do something a little different. It and then really, he got really to be an octopus. Him. Yeah, he got to be an octopus, and everything is right with the world. And you had octopus for dinner. I Ironic. did. It was delicious. But yeah, I think from here, it might be a good point to to transition to our spoiler interview or spoiler review, unless there's anything else you want to add. Well, I agree. I'd say if you haven't checked this out or if you're on the fence, don't be. Watch it. Yeah. Unless you're you're not a big fan of the psychological stuff or something that'll really make you think you want something more on the surface, this might not be for you. But even then, still give it a shot because this is a brilliant movie. All right. So with that, again, here's the point where the spoilers are coming in. So stop now if you don't want your spo- this spoiled for you. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right. So I just want to say up front because... We know this obviously had influences from Heaven's Gate and the Manson cult. Oh, for sure. Like and a lot I think of them. cults in general. Yeah. The Heaven's Gate thing, you know, like a Especially. Thing about peace and serenity and, and let's you know, all let's all poison ourselves and die. And, and even mass if, suicide. Know, even if you look at the cover of the you know, the poster they have the wine glass being held up, mm-hmm. and it's just like that's going to be ultimately the downfall. Yeah, that's a that's a big spoiler if <laughs> if you don't know what's happening. Yeah, well, it gives that away, but at the same time... It's ballsy to use that as a cover. But at the same time, it's like this whole movie is essentially you wondering, is this actually a cult? Are these Mm -hmm. people just becoming like hippie-like and it's like whatever? A lot of cults, you know, they've brainwashed people into believing their crap. They're drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And of course, that saying, drink the Kool-Aid, actually comes from Jonestown, where Jim Jones had had a powdered drink mix of some sort that, you know, people associate with Kool-Aid and they were laced with cyanide and Heaven's Gate was poisoned with phenobarbital, which is interesting because as we see later, Eden actually has phenobarbital that Will finds in her drawer. So 
it's a pretty good connection to both Jonestown and Heaven's Gate. The thing is, is that this group of people hadn't been brainwashed into this. These people are trying to bring them along for the ride. They're, yeah. they're convinced, and their creepy two friends are convinced, and they're trying to convince them. But these people haven't bought into this. The, the, we know none of them want this. Like, none of them want what these people are actually after. They're actually, what they're doing is trying to manipulate them into thinking everything's cool and then murder them. Because we're going to give them peace and serenity. It's like when Mr. We're going to ascend. Got to catch the comet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when Mr. Burns was getting all those like treatments and made them look, made them all nice and like look like an alien. <laughs> like I bring love. Like no, 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 no! Don't hurt him. It's Mr. Burns. Oh, it's just Mr. Burns. Kill it! Kill it! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting though that. Um, Jumping back to the influences that let the right one in was one of the influences. Yeah, the slow build. The slow build to the reveal and how it took its time and was really cerebral. Well, and this will be a spoiler for let the right one in, so I think that's not too much of a spoiler. God, what a movie. I know, we should definitely review it at some point. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but again, if you don't want that spoiled, probably skip ahead like 30 seconds. But the fact that she actually is a vampire, but the whole time it's you're kind of wondering, is she actually, Mm -hmm. or are we just being led to believe that. And it's the same thing with this cult that we're being, are we being led to believe that this cult is, or that these people are in like an actual dangerous cult? Cause they show the video and you see the person die, but they say she was dying of cancer. So at that point you're like, okay, it doesn't seem so bad if she's dying of cancer. Cause then they were just like telling her it's okay. And like surrounded by your loved ones. It doesn't seem that it, it's weird. It was filmed and like presented, like come join us. We are nice to people with cancer, I guess. I don't know. But I guess it's, like you said, with the people who are all react differently to seeing footage like that, they're saying, like, you know, it's this beautiful thing, and, like, you know, basically we can't, darn, can be afraid of death, and blah, blah, blah. And it leads you to believe, you know, like, again, that's where we start to really feel like something is wrong here. Who are you trying to convince? Them. They're trying to convince them. So I that- think in some ways they're also trying to convince themselves. <laughs> in some ways, yeah, because we find They're trying that- to validate well, and they're, they're seeing decision. And because we see that our main character, Will, is coming to the... Let's call it back up to where Will is coming to this party with his girlfriend, Kira. And Eden and David are who are hosting it. Eden and David are married, but Will and Eden used to be married. So he's going to his ex-wife, essentially. And all the other folks, aside from Pruitt and Sadie, are all friends. So they're all people that have known each other for years, like we said earlier. But they all haven't seen them in like two years. So apparently Will and Eden split up after their son tragically died and pretty much everyone was, again, other than Pruitt and Sadie, were at this party. So it was a birthday party and I guess another kid was swinging a bat. And Something to do with me. I know. They don't really tell you, but it's yeah. like alluded to that and he's it, hit with the bat. And it takes a while for them to get there too, to, to kind of clue in what happened. Essentially there was a baseball bat, you know, it's a Outdoor party, seems like a backyard park kind of thing. I don't know if they were playing baseball, smacking a pinata with a bat. I don't know. But apparently, kid hit, another kid hit their kid with a bat, killed him. And Very it seems tragic. like it was just, you know, again, a freak accident. Mm-hmm. And it, it obviously gave them a ton of mental trauma to the point where, you know, that she almost, Eden almost killed herself at one point. We have flashbacks yeah. to a lot of it throughout this, and you see... She had, he was he looking was for trying, marks was, on her arm. Well, she was trying to cut her wrist in the sink, mm-hmm. and he quickly runs and stops her. And I guess in group therapies where she met David, so when they split up, her and David got together, and I guess they are trying to find answers to... It was like, I guess, a, a 
trauma group of some sort, mm-hmm. you know, like a group for people who have lost someone. Yeah. And I guess that's when David and Eden, you know, once everyone's split up, they go down to Mexico and that's where they meet up with this cult, which it's sad because a lot of cults are like that. They prey on people like that mm-hmm. and they brainwash them. In this case, it very much, again, felt more like a Heaven's Gate situation rather than like a Jonestown situation because it felt feels like with like a, a lot of the cults out there that are ones that don't end in death always, there are a lot of about control control and they do stuff like they you know they starve them they tell them when they can and can't do stuff there's sleep deprivation they abuse the crap out of them Mm -hmm. or they just convince them to do things that ordinarily they might not do that's going manson cult yeah but those people kind of felt like they would do that anyway Mm -hmm. a lot of those were already these weren't like yeah they needed the push they needed someone to tell them to do it but and i guess some of them now are like reformed christians and stuff but obviously Charles Manson is now dead, but he clearly never could be reformed. Most Christians can't be reformed either. <laughs> well, at least the like, hardcore ones. What was the Robin Williams skit about Manson? Oh yeah, he would say that it was one of his. It was live on Broadway, which is one of the greatest stand-up routines I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, they go back to him every couple of years, and they seems like, "How you doing, Charles? I'm better. Oh, in many ways." He's like, "What do you do when you get out? I'll kill everybody. Whoopsie, sorry." <laughs> He's not sorry. <laughs> no. But yeah, a lot of this ends up being, you know, you trying to figure out, are Eden and David actually in a cult? Or are they just, did they find some new agey bullshit, you know? Did they actually find inner peace and they're trying to celebrate that with their friends? Is there, maybe there's nothing actually heinous going on. Maybe Could- they're just a little little loopy, but they found some some way to cope. And they're just trying to share that with their friends. Maybe there's nothing heinous at all. Or maybe they're going to kill all of them. Yeah, you're, you're sitting there wondering, like, is this going to go the route of killing everybody? Or are they trying to sell essential oils? I mean, I don't know which. But <laughs> it kind of felt like it could go either way of, you know. Why we're, not both? We're going we're gonna to end up in a pyramid scheme at the, by the end of this. But I guess a lot of it, you know, the horror comes from the fact that it, you're kind of seeing this. You're not seeing it through Will's eyes, but I feel like that you're kind of led to see it through his perspective throughout this, because you focus on that. A lot of his flashbacks, too. His flashbacks, and even, like, he's the one that, like, gets calls and stuff like that and figures out, you know, that he gets a call from Choi, which is... Mm -hmm. He gets a call from Choi, which is Gina's boyfriend, and Choi says something about how he forgot the dessert, and he was there, and he was getting ready to go inside. But they've all been like, they can't find Choi. So once he gets enough cell phone signal, and he's like, wait, Choi was here, mm-hmm. and now he's gone. Like, what did you guys do with Troy? The first thought I had, oh, God, they're all eating Troy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think dinner I thought- and everything. I'm like, fuck, they ate Troy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, they ate Troy. But yeah, they, they make bok Troy out of Troy. Oh, boy. Jesus. But that's my thing is they say, you know, they, they're like, we didn't, we didn't know he was here. He wasn't here. And then all of a sudden he shows up, and you're just like, Again, that throws you through mm-hmm. a loop all over again because you're like, oh, fuck, they weren't lying. Yeah, he comes, he says, tense. he's yelling at him. Where is he? Where is he? What did you do to him? Hi, everybody. Yeah, all of a sudden he's there and everything's fine. He's like, what did I miss? You know, yeah. poor, poor Troy coming in after this. But that's the point where you're like, oh, my gosh, Will really is just overreacting to this. It really is, you know, innocent that these folks are, you know, be a little new agey and weird, but there may, maybe this actually is all very harmless. Yeah. He found pills and stuff, you know, thought they're all drugged up and things like that. So, and again, then it comes back to like, you know, he's like, why do you have these these pills? Because Miguel is a doctor and confirms it's phenobarbital. Wasn't anything too egregious. No, it wasn't like this is like you know heroin or something. You like know. a general psychological drug. Yeah, and so 
it seemed more like, again, she when he brings that up to her, she's like, you know, it's more just kind of a take the edge off thing. and Which is harmless. And yeah, fun. and when you're thinking, like, it goes, this is also L.A., so, I mean, he also they also bring up that they have, like, cocaine in the house and stuff like that because, mm-hmm. again, it's L.A., rich people parties, there's always cocaine, apparently. Sure, why not? Yeah, but especially when they bring in, like, you know, he points out, he's like, I don't know who Pruitt and Sadie are. Like, the, we don't know these people. This was supposed to be like a get-together of old friends. Like, who are these people? They're like, oh, where are our friends that we met, you know, mm-hmm. at Camp Jonestown. So Camp Jonestown. <laughs> Jim Jones and friends. Are they yeah. putting on a, like a like an old vaudeville show? Yeah. Very, very upsetting show. Mm-hmm. Like but we they, talked about the end. Sorry. Oh, no. I was going to say, but so we even have like, again, where you don't know what's really happening. Claire, which is one of their friends, she gets freaked out to the point that she leaves. And they're trying to convince her to stay. They're trying to convince her to stay. And it turns out Pruitt's parked behind her. All of a sudden, he's like, wait, is the Prius yours? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I've parked behind you. I'll, I'll move it. And Will's sitting there just like watching. Like, he's trying to make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. He's trying to be a protector. And, you know, David's getting mad at him saying like, you know, how basically you're like, these are our friends. And you're acting like we're like criminals are going to hurt somebody. And you're wondering, is are that they? what's... Yeah, are they? Are you wondering, is Will correct? Is Will just being paranoid? Because I think a lot of us would be a little paranoid in that situation, mm-hmm. especially when they show the video and someone dies in it. It's not just like... Yeah. It's not just like, we're enlightened and happy, and again, buy our essential oils or some bullshit, you know? Yeah. But basically, he pulls him away right when Pruitt's like, oh, wait, wait, Claire, one second, and goes off there, and you don't see what happens. There is a deleted scene that confirms that Claire does die in the bushes. Yeah. Apparently it wasn't one they filmed, but it was in a director's commentary where the director, Karen Kusama, she said that they had planned on doing that, but she took it out for pacing and stuff like that, that they would show her like struggling through the bushes and dying. So like they, they were planning on showing her fate, but they did not. And actually her fate in Jeepers Creepers is also unknown because mm-hmm. they throw her... I, I, I think it's in the third one, which I still don't remember if I saw yeah, it, but I, have, I feel like I haven't I have. seen it. But, but there's a point where it. I know she's thrown from the truck, and it's never really revealed whether she makes it or not. Yeah. So poor Maria Delfino. We don't know whether you live or die. Yeah. Well, in this one, we she's pretty the much Schrodinger, know. she's the Schrodinger's actress. Yeah, she really is. But in this one, we're pretty sure she's kaput. Well, especially since the director confirmed it in commentary yeah. that basically, when Peru goes out there, he does kill her. So the other part that I think really clues in that there's something really wrong is when Pruitt starts telling about his story. His story upset me. How, you know, he had the most wonderful wife and their life was so great, but sometimes he had a little bit of a uncontrollable rage and he, you know, snapped and just fucking killed her. And And he does say he served his time, you know, like what, 20, 30 years, something like that. Yeah, went to prison for a long time, came out, you know, yeah, it was grief and stuff, and now he found peace. He found peace, and, you know, he thinks he's okay, and it's all good here. And there was a good quote that he had, he goes, forgiveness doesn't have to wait. I'm free to forgive myself, and so are you. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. So he's like, almost talking like this is a a way of cleansing your soul kind of thing. And that, no, he did this horrible thing, but he's forgiven himself. He's moved on. And I'm like, how the fuck could you move on from that? But And it wasn't like premeditated. It was the, you know, they got a fight. He pushed her. She hit her mm-hmm. head. Which, Still, it, which like, later that happens with Will. Remember, Will pushes Sadie and she hits her head. And I'm thinking, oh boy, mm-hmm. we're going to have a, Bruce going to be like, this is deja yeah. vu, you know? If I meet anyone like Sadie, I immediately know there's something fucked up, I think. Because that she is batshit from the start. Yeah, she's very squirrely and yeah. off. 
Like they did that game and she just made out with the one girl. Yeah, Gina. Yes. Yeah, she does. She makes out. She with just Gina. pounces on Gina and makes out with her, and it's like like this game's like. What was it like? What what do you want to do right now? Kind of thing. She's like, I want to make out with Gina, and she just pounces on her. And she tells how she loves all of them. She's yeah. just met them and she loves them. But again, it's still at that point where it feels very again like it could be a new agey thing. It's maybe not sinister. In this case, it is sinister. Mm-hmm. We now find out later. But I'm such a pessimist where it's I always assume the worst in situations. I always assume someone has a bad intention. Probably because we watch so much fucking horror. Yeah. We, usually we know it doesn't end up well ever. So we go into actual life thinking the same thing. Probably not a horrible defense mechanism. Well, it's a combination of horror and all the true crime stuff we watch and mm-hmm. listen to that is just kind of culminated in like, well, everyone's a threat. I'm going to be paranoid. So I would feel like I'd be willing this, except for I would have probably been like clear and peaced out. Fuck politeness. Exactly. Thank you, my favorite murder. Yep. But that's the thing is also... What's the quote from Dave where he said, each one of us is on a journey and we feel it's important to be on this journey with the people you love. So that also clues you into like, again, this journey. You still are thinking like, are again, new agey or is this going to be a murder called? What kind of journey is this? A, a leisurely drive down the street, down the road with your buddies, just having a good, good hearted, deep, soulful chat or are you Thumb and Louise going off the edge of the cliff? Yeah, that's... We, we don't, it's one or the other. Unfortunately, this is a lot more like Thumb and Louise if they just grabbed a bunch of their friends and took them with them. Yeah. Also, one thing I think is really interesting is getting towards the end of it, once you get to the point that actually you realize that, yes, in fact, this is a death cult. Because Gina drink like, Will freaks out and smashes a bunch of wine glasses and like, don't drink it. After, like, they just calmed him down, he just, he freaks out again. And Rightfully so. But you're still not sure watching this mm-hmm. if this is rightfully so. And... Then Sadie's like attacking him basically over this, and he pushes her. And that's when they're like, you know, trying to figure out what's wrong. They're sitting there looking at her. Remember, she so, screams, You ruined it! You ruined it! As soon as she said that, I was like, like yep. it's but, a death but, cult. He, but I could still see at that point where she's just a little nutty. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is not a death cult. Is it a death cult Armageddon like Demi Bourgier? But that's, you know, they're sitting there trying to see, is she okay? You know, they have the one guy that's the doctor, and all of a sudden someone says, she's not breathing. He's, no, she, no, she's breathing. They're like, no, Gina. Gina drank it, and you can see the foam coming out of her mouth. Yep. And at that point, you're like, 110% death cult. Yep. Everyone's dead. We're they done. They spiked it. They spiked all the wine. And then, and, uh, and they're even, not all the partygoers even realize that. So they're trying to, they're going over to her trying to figure out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And while they're trying to save her, then David comes around and just fucking shoots him. And at that point again. Mm-hmm. We knew 110% yeah. death call, but now we're at like 120% yeah. death call. Well, at this point, they're like, jig is up, we're done, they got us, let's just start shooting. And it's like, you notice in a good little thing, if you're real eagle-eyed, that they're drinking a lot of wine throughout this. Yeah, apparently they had some real expensive wine, but yeah. they're putting that from it's the bottle. always pouring from the bottle. This one, they're pouring from like a, like a glass jar, decanter, decanter kind of thing. And... That right there again. There's there's a difference, and we've reached the point of no again, return. Death cult. Yeah, death caught Armageddon. I wonder if Troy just never showed up. If they wouldn't be able to do it, that poor bastard. You know, he's the last one to show up at the party and the first to die. Well, he wasn't the first one to die. Technically, Claire. Technically, dies first. Claire. First one we see die. Yeah. Well, though Gina was probably dead. Yeah, probably. It's hard to say. And then the guy he shot was the doctor, wasn't it? He shot Troy. 
Was it Choi he shot? Yeah, he shot Choi. But he's also shot at the doctor, right? He shot a lot of people at this point. I think point. the doctor, the one that was the doctor who was uh, died first. Yeah. But throughout this, again, like I said, I think the biggest thing with this is that you don't know, it's again, a very much a, what's real, what isn't. You're mm-hmm. questioning, you're kind of in Will's position of, should I be paranoid? Should I, you know, what should I do? And, and of course, this movie starts out with death, because I guess the first one that dies technically is that poor coyote. The poor coyote. I know, so sad. It's the most heartbreaking part of the movie for me, actually. I know, animals dying always. So this is, this is going to be in the list of that website, you know, does the dog die? I'm going to rank this as the dog in some ways. So yes, because the, the dog does die. It is a dog, and it does die very sadly and tragically. And suddenly. Yeah. Now, here's what's weird for me. I, <laughs> this is the thing that drives me nuts. I so clearly remember somehow that there was a flashback to the coyote, and that either like it wasn't really there or something was up with that, and also, I remember a part where, because they have no cell phone signal up there, I could have sworn there's a part where, like, they take the phone and they put it out past a certain point, and suddenly they had full bars, and you realize there was something suppressing the signal. None of that happened, and so I'm not sure if I've just imagined this, if I've mm-hmm. mixed two movies together, or if it's a Bernstein Bear situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The but, other thing, other thing, but that, there was that that light. Mm-hmm. Is the that thi- what you're about to say? No, the thing that about you mentioned about the cell reception. They're in the fucking Hollywood Hills. This is a very densely populated area. There's a lot of houses and stuff like that. You're telling me that there was cell reception? No, it's just not that good here. Bullshit. Yeah. Bull fucking shit. The cell reception should be fine considering where you're geographically This isn't located. the 70s. Yeah. You're in a very upscale part of Los Angeles. You better have fucking cell reception or all those people are going to lose their minds. The other kind of weird thing when you think about it is that when Choi gets there and he calls, clearly he had enough reception to call. Mm-hmm. Perfect self-reception to be able to make a call like nothing's wrong. Yeah. So it still leads you to believe there was some kind of cell phone damper or something. Yeah, they had to. And maybe it's a deleted scene that wasn't in this version. I need to find it. But I could have sworn that's what happened. And I was like, wait, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> they, def- they definitely fucked with that. There's no question. And the other thing was at that point, though, also where you see... David go and turn on this red light, and it's kind of weird. It's mm-hmm. like, what's up with this red light? But again, you're still thinking to yourself, is that really that big of a deal? Is it just maybe he just has this red light and it's nice? And you know, maybe it's a bug zapper. I don't know. Yeah, this usually like, like UV bluish, though. Yeah. yeah, like a bluish purple. But he's rich. Maybe he got a fancy one. Yeah. Uh, remember, he's not rich. They point out that Eden's family's the one that's rich because when they pull up, Kira's like. You know, like this is this was your house, and he's like, no, this was Eden's house. Eden's family has money, mm-hmm. so this all culminating together again. We in the end, it ends up being like three of them that get out: Will, Kira, and I think, or no, it's Ben that gets out. No, not Ben. Ben does get killed because he's the one that realizes also something's wrong, kind of is going with him, and then just dies. I think it's Miguel. Miguel's the doctor that dies, and Tommy's the one that gets out with them. So it's Tommy, yeah. Kitter, and uh, Will are all the ones that are able to get out. But they're standing there, like, you know, David's dead. They had to basically kill David. Eden basically shoots herself in the stomach, which I was like, ow, yeah. if you're going to kill yourself, don't shoot yourself in the stomach. Go for the head, dude. Because then she's like, you know, take me outside. And of course he does, like, because... It, it, you feel bad for her in some ways because even then you have some pity for her because mm-hmm. the fact that if again it feels like it's a cult she was preyed upon she didn't know that this was gonna you know that it was gonna go obviously so badly in her she was kind of led to believe this was just gonna be we're all gonna basically 
drink this wine and we're all going to go to sleep and it's going to be peaceful and everything's great, you know? And obviously that is far from what fucking happens. But so I guess the thing that's creepy though is they all go outside, you know, they take Eden, she's basically dead, lays her down. And then they notice, they hear all these sirens and they see helicopters and it finally starts clicking and they look out and they're like, oh God. And you see along the hill, all these red lights and you just hear shots and people screaming. Mm -hmm. You realize this wasn't an isolated little cult. Like how far did this fucking spread? Is this just- LA situation or was it something that are we going to find out later this was like worldwide like you don't know it's quite a situation and you there was a lot of red lights so there was a lot of people involved in this quite a situation for quite the invitation mhm mhm yeah that's when the scale gave you like the holy shit moment yeah but even you know throughout most of this movie you're you're guessing to see what the heck's going on when you have the idea and the knowledge, okay, this is exactly what's happening, then it's just survival horror at this point. Mm-hmm. And it gets really intense really fast because you got Pruitt hunting them down and he's a big dude and he's trying to you know, convince them still that this is for your own good and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. But they got to take him down and David's after them. And then the sad thing is Eden kind of, at the end, gets it, that this was a bad idea. No shit. Mm-hmm. But she, again, she's, She has some regret, you can tell. I think she just, in her mind, she wanted to see her son again. That's the tragedy yeah. of the whole thing, is that these are people who were suffering and hurting, and in their mind, basically felt like they were going to ascend to this higher plane. They were going to see their loved ones again. You know, it was, and their their best friends in the whole world were going to come with them, mm-hmm. and that's what they believed. And it's really sad because there are cults like that. Yeah. Their tragedy is used to manipulate them into doing something. They and shouldn't. then there's Nexium, that's just the the sex cult. Yep, which is still bad in many ways, but mm-hmm. but overall, again, I just think that that it's just like it at the very end takes the horror up just like one notch more. Like you think you've gotten all of it figured out, and then it's just like, nope, one more thing we're going to throw at you. Yeah. It was just the, the icing, icing on, the, on top. Yeah. It was, it was the whipped a, cream, well, the, well, the, the icing, cherry. I feel like the icing, what, the meat of it was like, what? Are, what's, you know, happening? And then, you know, that's like all the actual cake filling. And then the icing is you figure out, yes, it is a death cult. And those nice little flowers on top, that's all the, the red lights. They're little red flowers on top yep. of this invitation. There were four lights. Oh, my God. If only there were four. I mean, there were a lot of lights in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And and you again you don't scale you don't know how far this reaches, but it was an intense ending that kind of left your jaw dragging on the ground at the end where you didn't think they could really get you anymore. They did. Yeah. Holy crap! What a way to end this book. Yeah, for sure. With that, do you want to go into our ratings? I'm ready to go. Alrighty. So for overall, I think I'm gonna give it the five. Yeah. Yeah. I just I've been debating between a four and a five. But it just kept me guessing so much. And now even guessing even more because of the fact that I don't know if what my memory is accurate either. So, Or how far this really extended, like, the end. Yeah. So. But I'm saying with my memory of, like, I was like, I swore other things happened. And again, maybe I watched something that had deleted scenes. Yeah. I'm going to have to go look it up at some point. I only saw it once, so that's all I got. Yeah. But so I'll figure that out. Or if someone with out there knows the answer, tell me. Because with or without, know. though. But again, that adds to the horror of it is like, what's real? What's not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes you guess. 
So yeah, I think overall, I'm, I, I've again, if it was doing like on a scale of ten, it probably wouldn't be a perfect ten. But since we're just doing it out of five, I'm gonna give it the five. Boy, this is tough because for, in my mind, I want to reserve fives for things that are groundbreaking, whatnot, things like that. However, I haven't seen a movie that involves a cult like this done in such a perfectly artistic yet like soul-shattering kind of way. I'm going for a five too. Yeah. I, I do I think this is a hundred percent perfect movie? No, but it's damn close. Yeah. And I haven't seen a movie that approached this kind of scenario with this kind of psychological dread in such a well done and artistically almost perfect way. You know, just taking the whole package, the story, the acting was wonderful, meaty script. A lot of twists and turns. Cinematography put it over the freaking top. It absolutely deserves it. Yeah. For scary factor, what do you think? I'll give it a four for scary. I think it really depends on how scary a situation like this is to you. Now, it's not like raging killer scary until the very end, mm -hmm. but psychological scary is the scariest thing of all to me. Is it all the way up to a five? It's close. But I'm going to go with the four. It's not quite like the scariest thing I've ever seen, but it's up there. Just think of your close group of close-knit friends. And if this happened to you, you're invited to this party, with lavish party with hosted by someone you might have known your whole life. And they, this is the intention they have. It makes you think a lot. Yeah. And it goes to show that, like we said earlier, fuck politeness and always be on your toes. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely scary. Very scary. Ironically, though, you know, we always say lock your fucking doors. Well, unfortunately, they were locking the doors from like the inside here. Mm -hmm. They were locking their fucking yeah. doors and making sure people couldn't get out. Yeah, so. they have bars on the windows and all this. Oh, it's a rough neighborhood. Rough neighborhood, in my ass. It's Yuppieville. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give it a three. I was teetering between a three and a four. I think it's, you know, again, very unnerving. But for me, a four just has like a little more to it, I guess. So for me, it's a three. But still, that doesn't take away from it. And for someone else, that might be a five. This might be the scariest fucking movie you've ever seen because maybe you have friends that recently lost someone. I mean, especially with COVID and everything yeah. and thinking that people are just grasping for answers. Is it really that unrealistic a thing? A cult out there could do something crazy like this. And then you go to your friends like everything's fine and suddenly it's not. The manipulation of the human mind is a very scary thing to me. And you see how in a lot of examples in history, how manipulation can result in such catastrophic events. You know, you, you can look at a lot of things that happened in history, like the Nazis in World War II, a lot of them, they were just following orders. That's like you got the Milgram experiment. Exactly. That, that, where for those that don't know, the Milgram experiment is basically they took people and told them they were going to be doing a study. You know, and this is a, happens a lot in psychology where you're supposed to debrief people at the end, but you're allowed to use basically some manipulation because... Otherwise, if they knew exactly what was going on, they may act differently. So they told these people, we're going to be doing a study to see if basically pain makes someone more intelligent in some ways. So basically, we're going to ask someone a question. If they get it wrong, you shock them. And we're going to see if that how that affects them. Are they going to start getting answers right because of you know this punishment, essentially? And what ended up happening was these people were shocking people to the point that 
they were thinking they killed them. And so it really traumatized some people. And like looking back, like basically what they would do is they told the instructor or the person that was like, you know, telling them what to do would tell them, you know, you have to, you know, like if they say, I don't want to shock them or like you have to proceed, you have no choice but to proceed. Like basically the experiment requires you to proceed, like basically acting as if they had no choice. And most of them went ahead with it. And there was like severe trauma after this is where a lot of psychological ethics kind of came into play that they can't do bullshit like that anymore. That and the, uh, what's it, the, um, the prison experiment. What was it? The Stanford prison experiment? I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Stanford. But it's pretty scary when you get to things like that and how a person can be manipulated into doing something they really don't want to do. And it really only takes one mistake like that and you can't fix it. You did. Yeah. And it's really scary how fragile the human psyche can be, especially someone who's experienced such trauma and how there are horrible people who would try to take advantage of that. And to me, that's just frightening as hell. Yeah. The exploration... Exploit, exploitation. Mm-hmm. The, expo- well, the exploration the expo- and exploitation. Yeah, the, of the exploitation human. of that, though. So, what do you think of music and sound? I'm going to give it a five. I mean, I'm just, I feel like a lot of movies, it's like you have music or you have sound effects that are like, they're there, they're fine, they fit. This added to the fear, to the mood, to everything. I mean, and it wasn't, again, like I said earlier, it wasn't the stereotypical music you'd have in a horror movie. And this is, again, more really a psychological thriller than full-on horror, but it still had that horror feel, and it just it felt like the music just kind of like grabbed you and kind of took you on the journey with it. I will argue that this is more horror than most things that are labeled horror. Yeah. a lot. Some people categorize horror as something that's gory, and I think that's lazy and misguided. In all reality, this was kind of gory, though, in parts, and we'll get to that. At, in our part, at part, sure. But not till the end. But you get more gore in a typical action flick than you get in this. Yeah. But music and sound, I will absolutely agree. That's a five for me, too. This whole movie, I thought of it as it's a sum of all its parts, but all of its parts are just class. Mm-hmm. It's like a symphony orchestra. If one part was a little off, the whole thing would have suffered. But when it's all in concert, it's just beautiful. And this was, everything was in concert. Everything was pulling its weight. And the sound design was just pinpoint perfect. Mm -hmm. I can't find a single flaw with any of that. So definitely a five for me too. Yeah. What about effects? I'll go with a five there too. I think not a ton of special effects, but again, if you want to really count cinematography and part of the effects, things like that, that was a giant part of this movie. Every little piece, every little puzzle piece that was done with the effects, both like when it got really violent, that was very impactful. Little parts of tension, just little things like, again, some of its parts, effects are definitely a five for me. Yeah. I was debating between this because I was thinking three, but then I was thinking four, and then I was thinking five, because I was thinking, well, there's not really that many effects, but you brought up again the cinematography, which I thought was just out of this world phenomenal. I'm still going to go with a four just because I don't, I'm sure there's, there's things within it that aren't perfect, of course, but I can easily see arguing a five for it. Finally, gore. I'm going to give it a two. It wasn't completely devoid of it, but it was, you know, again, shot in the stomach. I mean, there was, there was blood, there was, you know, the foaming at the mouth, there was stuff like that. It was a little unnerving, the flashback to cutting the wrist. I mean, that all was very unnerving. So I'm going to give a two for that. Yeah, I think a two's fair. I'll go with that as well. 
when it gets to the point where there's a lot of shooting and stuff like that, there's a fair amount of blood, like you said, the stomach. People got shot. There was pools of blood all over the place. Mm -hmm. It got kind of splattery. Yeah. Which, you know, that's how it would happen in a situation like this. Absolutely. Very realistic. So, but is it overly gory? No. It's like, you don't like seeing blood. There's a couple points in the last probably 15 minutes or so that you're not going to... Love. Yeah. But overall, yeah, a two. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We survived the invitation. (laughs) Only only three people in the movie did. Yeah. And God knows on earth how many other people survived. God. Imagine if that was global. I mean, it feels like it's probably isolated more closely, maybe like neighborhood. But again, you don't know the scale, and that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, what if, if even if it's like statewide, countrywide? It's still a massive amount of death. Yeah. That's a lot of dead people. Yeah, because it's not just, again, not just a suicide death cult. It's actually going to be a combination of... It's a murder death cult. Why am I now thinking of in Family Guy where... The, I think it's the very first episode where they have the cult that Meg almost joins. <laughs> yeah. But it's the guy that plays Peterson. Mr. Peterman. Or Peterman. It's the guy that plays Mr. Peterman. Well, whatever Kramer called him Mr. Peterson. That's why, that's why it always throws me off. Mr. Peterson, can I have my stories back? I have Elaine that... To spin my stories. You take back your tales, you vagabond. <laughs> but I'm just thinking of him, like, and his, like, very, very, like, obvious voice. Like, he has a very distinct voice. And him just being, like, this cult leader. Mm-hmm. That, was, then, that was funny. And he comes back, and they're all, like, dead. And he's like, oh, they went without me. <laughs> yeah, he was all upset. But yeah, that, and the only other thing I could kind of make a joke out of with this was, along with that, was the coyote at the beginning. I was just like, ah, oh, the Roadrunner won. The Roadrunner almost always wins, and I personally I was rooting for Wiley. I always I always rooted for that. I always rooted for Sylvester. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I always rooted for which one was Tom and Jerry? Oh my god! Well, Tom was the cat. Tom cat. Oh, ha, derp. yeah, Jerry was the mouse. All right, I, my brain like turned off, and I was like, yeah, I always I always kind of felt bad for Tom sometimes because he got like just brutalized by this mouse. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's supposed to be like again the they turned that idea on its head, but a part of me always was like, kitty, I love kitties. Well, remember, again, another Family Guy reference. Remember when Wiley Coyote pulled it off? Yeah. He killed him, served him for dinner with his family, and then went to a deep depression and didn't know what to do with his life until he found Jesus. It's a, his own version of a cult. Yeah, pretty much. All the right. Acme cult. Yeah. It's like, oh, can I get store credit? Why are you returning? I'm taking care of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can get store credit? Like, he's, like, like, he's, like, he's like, well, yeah. Oh, well, with that, I think that's the pretty much the end of all we can say about this. Again, yeah. amazing movie. If you haven't checked it out and somehow listened all the way through this and we spoiled it for you, you'll still, I think, have a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. I think the mystery, though, of the movie is part of what makes it what it is. I mean, I think I'll enjoy it just as much on a rewatch because I'd be looking for clues and whatnot. Yeah, and things you missed. And But try to go in as fresh as you can. I think you'll get a lot more out of it if you do. Or if you listen all the way through this, drag one of your friends. Invite one of your friends over. Yeah. Have an invitation. Yep. Make a party of it. And then serve wine out of a decanter. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Good luck. Yeah. But with that, thanks for listening to our amateur ramblings. And until next time, this has been We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. 
And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs>